It is Miracle Sunday uh, for Shoreline City. And what is Miracle Sunday, you might ask? Honestly, a few weeks ago, I was praying and processing and thinking about, you know, the things that God wanted to do in the upcoming weeks. And uh, we had some meetings and I had some conversations. And in my time of prayer, this just really dropped in my heart that this is something God was wanting us to do on this particular day. So I don't know what it is you might have on your shoulders. I don't know what it is you might be dealing with, what you might be wrestling with. I, I'm not sure the things that might be messing with your mind right now, the things that maybe been in your family for quite some time dealing with. But what I do know is that God is going to meet you exactly where you are today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 5, John chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible, put the scriptures on the screen for you. I'm, I'm reading out of a different translation today. Uh, I thought it painted the picture a little bit better. It's John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 in the New Living Translation. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Holy days, rather. Not holidays. Holy days. Uh, can't wait for Christmas. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Uh, we're not sure which holy day Jesus was attending. It could have been the pa Passover, could have been the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, could have been Pentecost, could have been a number of different holy days. Uh, and this sheep gate uh, and this whole area, you could actually still find in Jerusalem today. If you go over to the Holy Land, this has all been excavated, and you can see what the writer here is actually talking about. So this, uh, the pool of Bethesda with five co covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Uh, this man here, I, I love this passage of scripture. And I'm, I'm not going to uh, speak too long today because I have a number of stories that I want to share with you today. A bunch of stories that I think will connect with you heart to heart, a bunch of stories that I think will help lift your faith and understanding of who God is and how he still works in people's lives, everyday people's lives. But I like this scene here because uh, this area, this pool of Bethesda, there are sick and lame and paralyzed and broken people everywhere. They would come, and uh, a number of translations talk about in verse number four, and it's a, a verse that some manuscripts have and some manuscripts don't have, but it talks about how the, the water would be stirred by an angel, and the first person that would get into the water would be healed. So when Jesus shows up, he sees sick people, broken people everywhere. It was reminding me a little bit of what I think church is supposed to be like. I don't think church is supposed to be a place where everybody who comes is perfect. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for that church, keep on walking because it is not Shoreline City. In Shoreline City, we actually have people that have been through some stuff. 
We have people that have walked through divorce, people that have walked through loss, people that have walked through difficulty, people that have struggled with their mental health, people that have been addicted, people that have lost a home or have been bankrupt. We have people that have had a great career and then lost everything. We have folks that graduated from college and folks that dropped out of college. We have people that have gossiped. We have people that have been broken. We have people that are hurting physically, but we also have people that hurt others physically or emotionally. This is not a church filled with everyone who does everything right all the time, but I'm so glad we know that there's a place that we can go where we can find the healing and the restorative power of God but in this scripture they would show up and they were they were looking at the water this man is here and he he's trying to get in the pool because when you get in the pool that's when you get healed so all these sick people are everywhere and all of them are focused on trying to get in that water and and I just could not help but, but picture this man who's been sick for 38 years. And he's trying to get in the water first. Little does he know, it wasn't in the water that he was going to find his healing. It was in the man that was standing right there next to him asking him questions about his life. And I get a little bit concerned sometimes, and I love, I love our worship team. I'm so thankful for them. And y'all, I try to prepare the best messages I possibly can every week. I don't want to be some boring dud up here that's just not, does not know anything about the scriptures. I want to give my best. And man, we try to get our host team and our parking lot team on point, ready to serve everybody on the chat. We want to make sure people are ready to be life-giving and loving. And I think God can use all of that. But my friends, the power of Shoreline City is not in the music and it's not in the preacher the power of shoreline city is not in our welcome and it's not in our chat the power of shoreline city is found in jesus christ and jesus christ alone and if you get a touch from him the message can be bad but jesus is always good the music can be off key but jesus will show up and i'm letting you know that today no matter where you are if you're lame if you're sick if you're broken if you're paralyzed don't look to me because i don't have what you need but i know exactly Exactly who has what you need and his name is Jesus it's always been Jesus it always will be Jesus and we're not stepping back from lifting him up and as we do whether you're North or Antigua or White Rock or online or wherever you are around the world it's always been Jesus it always will be Jesus always be Jesus has always been Jesus do you want to get well you want to get well want your marriage well want your mind well you want your family well yeah, I'm gonna give you my best I will I promise I'll give you my best and we're gonna try to be the most life-giving church we possibly can yeah we're going to cross our T's and dot our I's. We're going to try to be excellent. We're going to raise up leaders. We want to do all of that. But at the end of the day, it's in Jesus. Today, I got some stories I want to share with you. Some people that came and they encountered Jesus. And he put their lives back together. And what he's done from them, for them, He'll do for you. I want you to look at this first story. It was filmed on April 18th of this year from Liv and Jansen Kleffaker. And 
One year into marriage, we found out that I was pregnant while I was miscarrying. And it was the shock of our lives because something that was so uncomplicated to us in our brain all of a sudden was like this question mark. A dream that we had had so deeply in our hearts, um, all of a sudden we were asking ourselves, are we ever gonna have this? And um, that kind of sparked a, what has now been three and a half year journey of healing and processing and crying and doctor's appointments and trusting and growing and um, this sort of alchemy of, of life in step with God. Um, but that was October of 2018. And then in December of 2019, we found out that I was pregnant in the happy way. And um, it just felt like God's redemption completely. It felt like an answer to every single prayer that we've ever had. Our best friends were pregnant at the time and we were just beside ourselves. We felt like, okay, this is the promise coming to fruition. Um, and we told our closest friends and within 24 hours of telling our closest friends, we lost our second child. And that was the realest pain we have ever felt. Realest pain we have ever felt, the lowest of lows. Um, I had never experienced loss like that. And um, I think that from there, I had to come from my own journey with God to this realization and this knowing in my spirit that infertility and the, the loss and the pain in that was not excluded from what Jesus paid for on the cross. And I had to come to that revelation of healing and wholeness and completeness and calling is readily available to me right now before the miracle. I'd like to introduce to you the Clefferkers. Come on out here, Liv and Jansen. And I wanna show you the baby bump that is right here. Show the people what they want to see, babe. Side view. On the day that they were sharing that news. We were pregnant and we had no idea. No clue. We had no idea. We made jokes that we were gonna like bear our soul to our church family and then flee the country because we went on vacation the day after that yep. to Mexico. So we were like, we'll just get it all out and then we'll leave the country and God will just renew our spirits. And of course he did. But a couple of days after we got back, um, I was like, hey, I kind of feel like we've got to just rule out this option so that I can just go on with my life. She was um, showing all the signs. Yeah, I was ignoring all the signs. Um, Rude, I, I think, hungry, yeah, no, 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 crabby, no, no, no. crabby, yeah. Um, and then about five tests, positive tests later, and we were like, this is actually happening. We FaceTimed you guys in tears, and we we're like, pray over tears us right now. <laughs> yep, and, now, um, what's the baby's name going to be? Holland Poppy Kleffiker. Oh, that's beautiful. 23 weeks today. We cannot believe on that day when you're bearing your souls, encouraging the church. You had your miracle already sitting on the inside of you in that it's moment. It's so surreal. It's so surreal. I feel like um, what we did realize is once we found out and 
once we kind of got past the threshold where we were like, no, we feel like we can really stand on this promise, we realized God wasn't any more faithful in our opinion. Once that happened, it's not, we didn't feel like God loved us anymore at that starting point. We realized God's stock didn't go up in our minds. Um, It was just, of course this happened because he loves us so much. Like, of course this happened because he's so faithful. I was wondering if Jansen, if you wouldn't mind praying for people in our church family, because we got a lot of folk, a lot of individuals that would like to be pregnant one day and uh, might be battling infertility. And uh, and I know this might not be the most make the most sense as far as a connection, but I also feel like there's a lot of dreams that people are wanting to have birth. Uh, a lot of businesses that people are wanting to have birth. And and these things feel like maybe they've been miscarried a number of times. So if you would not mind just praying for our church family from something you've walked through and helping individuals come out on the other side of this. Jesus, I empathize with every person in this room that's feeling broken, feeling like they're missing something, feeling heartbroken, feeling lost, feeling insecure, being told lies because of the experiences they're walking through because the dreams and miracles on their heart have not come to fruition yet, God. I pray for every person in this room online and Antigua and at North Campus, God, that you would meet them exactly where they are. Father, we're standing on your promises knowing that you're a miracle worker, knowing that you're a way maker, knowing that the best is yet to come, knowing that you're not done yet, knowing that you're meeting us where we are, bringing hope, bringing life, bringing peace, bringing comfort to every person in this room and online. God, we thank you and we praise you. We say, good father. We say, miracle worker. We say, way maker. We say, most faithful and trusted friend, because that's who you are. And we're standing on that, knowing that we're going to leave today filled with hope, filled with life, filled with peace, because that's what you've called us to walk in, God. We thank you so much for every business that's gonna be birth, Father. I pray for the miracle of fathers reconciling with their sons. I pray for the miracles of prodigal sons and daughters coming home. I pray for the miracle of finances being turned around. I pray for the miracle of thriving businesses. I pray for the miracle of children. I pray for the miracle of families coming back together, God. I pray for the miracle of marriages being sewn back together because that's who you are and that's what you do, God. And if it's not done, if it's not good, it's not finished. Amen. Miracles on miracles, a million little miracles. Mm-hmm. Miracles on miracles, counting miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles, a million little miracles. Lord, we thank you for the miracles on miracles. Count your miracles, one, two. So it was about 10 years ago that my wife and I almost lost our marriage. Um, we were about four years in, and uh, we, had, uh, we had one son. He was about, uh, he was almost two. And um, man, I just remember, it's almost funny looking back, it's not funny, 
Uh, it's, it's weird to look back uh, because I don't recall all the steps to get there, but I do remember um, starting to feel really cold towards her. Um, and I remember the day that it had, it had been months of me just being cold, but I remember the day that I went home and we were looking across the kitchen counter from one another and I asked her, her a question and her response was just incredibly cold and sharp back at me and I thought, man, I lost her. Like that was, uh, she's given up now. I think I felt like I had given up a while back. Um, and uh, man, it just got really, really ugly. We weren't a part of a church community at the time. Uh, we didn't have anybody to go to, to talk to. Um, and so we were very fortunate and by the grace of God had, uh, she was on her way back home and her mom said, no, you're not. You're gonna stay there and you're gonna work it out. Um, God, God's capable of miracles. So, uh, so you, he's gonna work one here, uh, but it's not gonna happen if you leave. Uh, so forever grateful to her mother for, uh, for pointing her in that direction. But, um, I'll say that, that, that God, I mean, it, it was a miracle, the people that he brought around us because we were not yet in a church community. Um, and, and we both knew that the first step and those advising us told us the first step would be that we had to get plugged back into a church that we connected with. Um, and we actually had uh, uh, some friends that told us that there was this incredible couple starting a church named Earl and Onika McClellan. And so uh, we went to a retirement home and, uh, and they were having service and we both in tears on the way out um, said, man, I feel like that's, that's where we're supposed to be. Uh, the main thing was that there were, there were families that we wanted our family to look like. There were kids that we wanted our kids to grow up with. And, um, and man, to look back and to see how dark it was at one point, and then to know that there's no way that it could have recovered without us first surrendering ourselves to Jesus and our marriage to Jesus, and then seeing what he did when we individually submitted to him and gave him our marriage, and then to see what he did and by bringing us together and what he can do using us. And I mean, it doesn't, 10 years ago feels like a lifetime ago. And, um, I just can't even describe and encourage anyone enough to be a part of a church community who's going to challenge you in your marriage, who's going to challenge you as you parent. And um, it's just such an honor to know that, that we've gotten to be a part of building this church for 10 years because not only were we building the church, but while we were doing that, God was building our marriage and building our lives. And, and, and it seems like uh, I look back and those look like different people. Um, today, we have the incredible honor uh, to have been a part of building that. Uh, my wife, Rachel Tuttle, is the worship pastor and has been for 10 years. And uh, our kids have grown up in this church. And uh, man, we can't imagine our life without it, but, but let no credit go to us, but let all the credit and the glory go to Jesus because um, he rescued us and we're forever grateful. carried by grace don't ask me how cause I can't explain 
man Kyle can come on up here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the guy on the screen is married to the young lady that was just singing right there. That's Rachel and Alan Tuttle. And we would not know Rachel and Alan without a miracle that God worked in their life. This man right here, I love him so much. So my man Kyle Dendy. So incredibly proud of both he and uh, his wife. They actually lead a neighborhood gathering. They live in California right now. So they are in... West Hollywood, is that right? West Hollywood. Kyle is an entrepreneur, and, but, but a real one. You know, some people say you're entrepreneur, but it's like they make no money. <laughs> He's a real entrepreneur. Uh, Forbes Magazine, CNN, so many different things that God has been doing through this young man that has been absolutely phenomenal, and I'm so incredibly proud of him. Um, but he is, he's walked through some stuff. And I, I want him to share his very uh, real, raw, and, and honest story with all of you. You know, if you look back at my, my, my family years ago, you would see my mom, my dad, my twin sister, and myself, and you would see family pictures, and it was, it was all smiles, joy, and laughter. And honestly, that's exactly what our, our, our picture looked like. And that was until January 1st, 2003. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was New Year's Day. And... My mom, my twin sister, and myself, we went to this New Year's Eve party in the neighborhood. And I remember as I was about to go, my dad putting me in this car seat, and as he shut the door, I remember it just slightly bumping my knee, and in that moment as a dramatic little kid, I felt like upset, I felt like mad, like why could you let this door hit my knee? And you see, what I didn't know was that when I came back from that New Year's Eve party, I was gonna walk into the house at five years old, and I was gonna see my dad just after he took his life. 
And in one single moment, I saw my entire world fall to the ground. And at five years old, there was no way for me to really know how to process that, how to handle that. And I remember walking through hallways at school, going wherever I was. And even if I didn't know somebody and they didn't know me, I felt like they had this lie in their head saying, this is the kid whose dad died. I had all these insecurities. And what I wanted so badly was to never, ever have to talk about what happened in my life. And somebody finally asked me, Kyle, when I was 15 years old, they said, you got to share your story at this, this big event on a stage just like this. And I did that thing we do when we don't want to say yes, but we don't want to be confrontational. So we say we're going to pray about it, but we're really not going to. So I said, I'm going to pray about it. And I really wasn't going to, but at 15 years old, I actually did pray about it. And I actually got up on that stage. And in that one single moment, what I realized was that story that I had for so long decided not to share because I thought people would judge me. It was really a story that if I shared it, it was gonna bring freedom to me and freedom to everybody else around me. You see, it's just like a bomb that goes off, not because of what's on the outside, but because of what's on the inside. When we internalize everything that we're going through, it makes us feel like we're going crazy. But if we'll share the story and the testimony and the, the obstacles, the challenges that God has done in our life, we might just find out that if we share our story, we might just help somebody else get through the thing that God brought us through. So my testimony today is simply this, that whether you're five like I was or whether you're 50, we can't control every little thing that's gonna happen in our life. But if the devil is gonna try to beat you up, don't let him beat you up and get away with it. Share your story. And you might just change your life, and you might just change someone else's life as well. Come on, let's count them. Say, and I can't even, I can't even count them all. No, I can't even, I can't. See, I look back on my life, and I can't even. Rescued my family. I can't even, I can't even count them all. I can't even, I can't even count them all. Oh, I can't even. Oh, everything you've done for me. Oh, every way you've made for me. Say, three, four, I can't even count them. Cause I'm a living, breathing, walking, talking, moving miracle.
locations just for a moment a little like a Catholic church today standing up and down we have people in additional seating today too is that happening right now uh, people in additional seating so everybody who's in the lobby right now love you so much give them a big old round of applause too. love you Two weeks from now, we will be starting uh, a third service at our White Rock campus, so we're excited about that. Our services up north will be staying the same, the same times, but at, at White Rock and online, we'll be switching from 10 o'clock to 10.30, so I'm really excited to keep providing more space for friends and family members to come in. In John chapter 5 that we were looking at a little bit earlier, this man... He's been in his situation for 38 years. 38 years. You know, when somebody's 38 minutes late, it feels like forever. You know, when you're waiting for somebody at a restaurant or something, like, oh my God, you're two minutes, three, five minutes. You're like, what? Is it the wrong day? You're checking your phone, you're texting them. Let alone 38 years. I'm not sure how the guy ended up at that pool. Perhaps friends brought him. That would be my expectation. But maybe it was his family members that were bringing him. But he finds himself at that pool. He's been there long enough to know what you need to do to try to get healed and try to get whole. And Jesus asks, asks him, do, do you want to get well? Some people read his response and they think it's an excuse. Like, you know, I can't serve because these other people get in the head of me. And I, I don't, I personally don't read it like an excuse. I read it like a statement of fact. Like the guy is sitting there or laying there and he's got this rabbi teacher that comes up to him and is asking him if he wants to get well. And he's like, man, do you know what I've been fighting for? For years? Do you know how long I've been praying for my husband? Do you know how long I've been praying for my wife? Do you know how long I've been dealing with this sickness or this issue? Do you know how long I've been estranged from my family? You're going to ask me, do I want to get well? I've been trying to get well and nothing is working. I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm doing everything that I know to do and things are not getting better. And that is the reality for a lot of us. We're doing everything that we know to do. And things still aren't quite turning around. Things aren't quite turning around with our family. Maybe our parents are still talking about divorce. Maybe our loved one is still battling cancer. Maybe someone that we care about is still in the hospital, but we're doing everything we know to do. And it feels like 38 years. I'm so glad that man did not stop coming to that pool. If he had stopped coming to the pool, he would have missed his day. 
So you would think that God would give him his miracle on year one or year two or year three, but he didn't. He waited for 38 years. And I don't, I'm not God. I don't understand why God does things the way God does things. I don't know why God allows some things to happen as, or to go on as long as they go on. But what I do know is that if you are battling anything, if it's felt like 38 years, Jesus is on the scene today. And in this moment, I believe he's saying, do you want to get well? So take all the excuses you have or the reasoning you have. I want you just to lay that down for a second. Say, so, yeah, I, I want to get well. I have some friends, you know, these individuals that stood up here today, shared their story, opened up their hearts. I just wondered at home or in Antigua, and north and in this room right now or wherever you are around the world, if you would be willing to say, you know what, there's some things in my life that I want to get well. Some things that I want to see adjusted. So I'm actually going to ask people to stand in just a moment. I'm asking you to stand up if you're believing for God in a particular area. As a matter of fact, if there's anyone in our church family that is believing God for some type of a relational miracle, relational miracle, I just want you to stand up wherever you are. Just believe for a relational miracle. Every campus north, I want you to do the same. Friends at home, I want you to do the same. If you're believing, you stay standing. If you're believing for a healing, some type of a healing, maybe physical healing, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to stand as well. Maybe it's for a fam family member or a friend. It doesn't have to be for you. It might be somebody like, oh, my gosh, my aunt, my aunt. I've been praying for my aunt. I've been praying for my uncle. I've been praying for my grandfather. Uh, how about anybody that you know, or maybe it's you that's dealing with fear and anxiety, at any location, I just want you to stand up. I want you to stand up and say, yeah, I, I, I know there's a miracle. There's a miracle. I, I need, I'm going to pray. I, I need to stand in the gap for somebody there. How about finances? Man, we can't get away from needing money, do we? <laughs> it's like those bills keep coming every month. How about finances? Maybe with a business, with your, your own personal life, or your, your, your parents are struggling. Maybe there's something going on with finances. A job, maybe. We got friends north and in Antigua and around the world and at our White Rock campus right now that have the courage to stand. But I'm actually not going to pray for you today. I'm going to ask somebody else to pray for you. I'm going to ask somebody to pray for you who just got their own cancer diagnosis 10 days ago and is fighting with every ounce of faith and strength they can believe in God even while they're in this 38 years time trusting him for a miracle I want to bring out Ron and Judy Brown right now to get ready to pray over all of us Judy and Ron were the very first couple to say yes to joining Shoreline City Ron's on our board Judy's our executive pastor and we love them so very much and we said 10 days ago, 
We found out that there's some cancer in Judy's lungs and in her brain. But just so you know, we're praying that every bit of that cancer is going to be dried up and go and leave in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We are asking God for a miracle. But since we have people standing in North and Antigua and at White Rock, even in our additional seating right now, I pray that you're standing. I thought, let me have somebody with some faith, somebody with some strength, somebody that's in the fire right now but is still trusting God. Be the one to share. You know, that first night in the hospital, I laid there and I thought, God, what just happened? Like, what, what are these words these people are speaking over my life? And the Lord said to me, Judy, I knew. This is not a surprise to me. I need you to lock eyes with me. I need you to stand on the faith that I know you have, that I've taught you all your life. You stand on the faith, you lock eyes with me, and I will bring you peace. I will carry you through this. And so that night, you know, it's crazy in the hospital. They wake you up every 30 minutes. But every time I woke up, God breathed in my ears. He breathed in my spirit, and he said, you will live. You will not die. He said, you will proclaim my testimony. And so that morning, I woke up that next morning, and the first thing I did is, where's my Bible? I know that scripture. I know it's scripture. Let me find it in the Bible. And so I went to Psalm 118, and it says, when hard-pressed, I cried out to the Lord. He brought me to a spacious place. The Lord is with me and I will not fear. And then we drop down into verse 15 and it says, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. I will live. I will not die, and I will proclaim to the world what the Lord has done in my life. So those of you who are standing in this room in Antigua and our North Dallas campus, for those of you that are in your living room watching it online, what I want to challenge you to do today is to lock eyes with Jesus right now. I want to challenge those that are maybe not even standing, that maybe don't even have faith enough to ask God for your miracle. I challenge you to interact with God. Because Judy and I, we are standing on Psalms 118. We are believing what the words say in Psalms 118, and we are living in our miracles. So will you join me in prayer? Father, for every person who is standing here waiting for their miracle, collectively and individually, Lord, we are reaching out to you knowing that you know the miracles you're about to do, knowing that you know what you want to do in each and every miracle that's being requested this morning. Father, all over the world, there are people who are reaching up to you, who are standing on faith, Father. 
that you will work miracles in their life. Father, your word says that it will not come back void. It will not come back empty. So Father, we stand waiting for miracles. We stand in our miracle. We stand knowing that you are God and that our faith is steadfast We trust in you. We trust in everything you do. We love you, Lord. Father, we will always give you all the glory and all the honor that you so deserve. Father, in your son's most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.